0: and click on the Building Fund tab. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Together, let's prepare for an amazing tomorrow. Thanks and God bless. You know, I'm currently going through a series that I've entitled Things That Make You Go, Hmm. And I should entitle it Things That Make Me Go, Hmm, because I don't know if they are making you question like they are me. Uh, but there are things that have really stirred my heart and made me think deeper about what is being said in some of these passages of Scripture. Last week, we talked about the children coming to Jesus and Jesus saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like, and the rich young ruler and him saying that, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, you need to give everything away. And it's like, these things are a little... Heavy, and when you dig deeper, they are heavy. They're meant to be heavy. And this morning, I think we have something similar. Turn uh, with me to Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. And while you're turning there, we are going to be looking at brands, driver's license, and passports, Saturday morning cartoons, and Christopher Columbus. Okay? But first, let's look at Luke chapter 9, verses 23 to 25. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, this is Jesus speaking, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever will lose his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits? himself. You know, it's amazing how you see things and you immediately associate them with the company that's a part of that. And I'll show you some brands here. If I show you, well, I got to get to that. What is that? That's Amazon, right? And you guys know on the actual logo, Amazon, it's the A to Z. That's what it's saying. You can get everything from A to Z. Any primers here? right? Okay. You know who you are. You've got problems. (laughs) I've got problems. It's like, I can get this now. I need that nose twirler, whatever it is. And I don't have to even leave. You know, I can go from my, you know, comfort of my room. I can order it and it can be brought to my door. How about this one? What is that? Coca-Cola, right? How about this one? <laughs> all right, let's move on. What's amazing is all these things without them actually having their name attached, you already associate the company because that brand is familiar. You see it and you know what it is. And I was thinking, well, what what is it that people most see and associate with Christianity? And I think it would be the cross that this has become something that people associate as being Christian. Now, this wasn't the case for the first century and a little bit after because the cross was a horrific image. It was a torturous way of dying, and, and it was a way in which those early followers of Jesus were actually being put to death. And so it was not a symbol of Christianity for a long period of time because it was a a picture of horror. The early ideas or logos, if you would, of Christianity were the fish, the ichthus, which was a hidden way that the Christians would get together or the anchor that then had the cross in it. But then later as time Evolved, it became the cross, and now this is iconic. We have crosses on our Bibles. We have them on our buildings. We have them on our coffins. We wear them around our neck. We tattoo them on our skin. We even, some people, make the sign of the cross. It is something that is a part of or recognized as a symbol of our faith But again, going back and especially to Jesus's words here to pick up your cross daily and follow after me was a sign that was or uh, words that were shocking because of what they were connected to. And it's easy for us all these years later to hear these things and to say, oh, yeah, I know what it means to pick up my cross, follow Jesus. It means, you know, I'm just going to die to myself, follow after God without really understanding the depths of what's being said here and so i want to step into these things because i think it's a powerful metaphor that we need to understand and that's what it is it is a metaphor he he's trying to get us to see something he he's not trying to tell us to literally pick up a cross you know like you would your surfboard and put on your car and go to work we're going to pick up our cross and go crossing or, you know, whatever it is. You're, you're, you're not using it in that way. As we were coming back from Mexico, they sell all this audacious things. And there's this guy carrying a huge cross. I had a picture of it. I was going to post two again, couldn't upload it. But he's just walking around trying to sell this huge cross, right? Because that's what you do. You get a cross and, and you you move these things. But even though Jesus's work on the cross was going to be completed. The work of the cross still needed to take place in our lives and in the lives of his followers. And that's why he says daily. But the idea here is that our death is not alone. We are actually dying with Christ. We we share in his death and we also share in the life that comes from this. And like he says in verse 24, for whoever will save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. The word life translates the Greek word for soul. And soul is actually the inner life. It is the life that is a part of who we are internally. It's it's the person, the self. It's our mental intelligence. It's our emotional intelligence. It's our perceived intelligence. It's all the things that make you, you. That is your soul. And so how can we lose our soul and yet save it? What is he talking about? Because it's very contradictory at glance, but... I think the best way or what makes most sense to me is that Jesus has two souls in mind. One that we try and save, but by doing that, we start to lose the one. And one that when we start to lose, we actually find the other. And so looking at this, I take the soul to be who I perceive myself to be. And I love how the English Standard Version and the New American Standard Version translate at the end, will lose himself. What does it matter if you gain the whole world, but you lose yourself. You lose who you are. You lose your soul. And so I take the soul to be something that we can hold on to or lose. It's a choice that we make. It's kind of like my autobiographical self right this is who i see myself or write myself out to be I'm trying to grab hold of what this is because it's really important to understand in the dynamic of what he is saying you see our perception though has been shaped by so many things all those things of how you see yourself They are shaped by things that have happened to you. They're shaped by hereditary things that are a part of who you are. The things that people have said to you that you start to associate as yourself. I know people who have been told as a child you will never amount to anything. And so when they see themselves or their soul, it's hurt, it's damaged. It has a lot of things, weight that it carries with it. Or some people have an inflated soul, right? They think they're God's gift to humanity. And whatever they do is fine. And so the idea, these things that come out, it's something that has taken place in the totality of our life. It's all these things that have shaped us. Both the damage done to my ego and the inflation of my ego. Paul referred to this as the old self or the natural self in Colossians chapter 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and chapter 3. It's the person who we are because of all that has happened to us that has shaped us. That would be considered myself, the soul. And so I think it's important to recognize that this is something that is you because of some things or all the things that have happened to you throughout your lifetime. When we were coming back from Mexico, one of us didn't have a passport. I'm not going to name any names. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. But when we got to the border guard, he asked Ben, so... <sighs> Why don't you have a passport? And he goes, oh, I'm getting one. And Ben told us some stories before we got to the border, and we wondered, are we going to get across the border? Are they going to find out, you know, some things? You can talk to Ben about those things. But then the officer said, you see, the driver's license, this doesn't tell me your citizenship. Just tells me that you can drive in the States but it doesn't tell me you're a citizen from the States. You see, you could live in Mexico and drive in the States and vice versa, right? It's not just one way thing. We were driving in Mexico. We had driver's license. We needed that to be able to drive there, but we weren't citizens. And so to actually be a citizen, you need the passport. This says you're a citizen of. One says you can drive, the other says you belong here as a citizen. Of these two lives, these two selves that Jesus is talking about, one is the totality of our experiences and the other really has to do with something more. It has to do with a citizenship. It, It has to do with where we belong and what our identity is. But how do we know what our souls are supposed to be. How do we know what the soul that we're supposed to find looks like? And, and I think we get an idea of this kind of revealed throughout Scripture. I think in Genesis chapter 1, we get this understanding of we were made in God's image, in God's likeness. Male and female, he created them. And both male and female are created in the image of God. And and so I take this to be the platform that we build on. But then you get to chapter 3 and something takes place. Now, it's interesting that most will call it, even on the top of your Bible, it will say the fall, most likely, in chapter 3. Do you realize that the words the fall are not in that chapter or anywhere in Scripture referring to chapter 3 of Genesis? Did you know that? Just something to think about. But what it does say is in the day you eat of this, you will surely die. There is actually a a death that takes place. But a death from what? Is it a physical death? Well, they didn't die immediately physically. It doesn't appear that the storyteller there is trying to convey that, oh, you're going to die and boom, physically they died. That doesn't seem to be the main thrust of the idea of death. Is it death to our relationship or this communion that we have with God? Well, God still communicated with them even after they ate of what they weren't supposed to, even after they chose what they weren't supposed to. So there's definitely this degrading of a relationship that takes place, but I think something more is happening. I think what they died from or what the death was, is from their true identity being created in the image of God. The shame that enters the story. They were ashamed because they were naked. And the idea of shamed is is guilty because of the actions that we've done, the characteristics or association. You, You see, I've lost... My passport. I, I no longer feel I belong to this garden. I, I am. I am not really one who belongs here. I. I've lost this idea of citizenship to my life with God. Why? Because I feel shamed by what I've done. And, and I think at this point we need to bring back Jesus's words and and bring the cross back into focus. You see, there's a reason. That John's gospel sounds a lot like, the beginning of John's gospel sounds a lot like the beginning of Genesis. Genesis, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. John, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God. Because what John is trying to help us understand is there is a new creation that's taking place that through this word that it became flesh, John tells us in verse 14 of John 1, through this Jesus, God is recreating what died there in chapter 3. And so this death of who we really are is culminated in this death of who Jesus is, and from this death comes a life that we are supposed to have. The self that we really need to see is regained, but it only happens after the death. A short time before Jesus' final statement on the cross, he said... It is finished. And the word finished translates in the Greek word teleo, which means it's done or come to an end. What, What came to an end? This death that we've been living in, this identity that we've associated ashamed, that's come to an end at this point. I fulfilled all the things that I'm supposed to. In John 19, 28, he says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scriptures, I thirst, and they gave him something to drink. He passed away. See, what, D, what did Jesus finish on the cross? A quick, easy version, because there's a lot of ideas on this, but a, a simple explanation is, He did everything necessary for ours and creation's redemption, everything necessary to bring healing to the brokenness, bring restoration, to bring back our true identity with God, to bring us back into an understanding of who we really are, created in the image of who God really is. See, our our true humanity dies in chapter 3, and that death came to the culmination on the cross so that the life could emerge. And that's how the soul works. That's how life works. As we die to our wounds, our egos, our shame, our pride, our failures, our needs to be right, our insufficiency, our self-sufficiency, our weakness, our rebellion, our stubbornness, our insistence that we deserve to get things our way. When we cling to those things, that broken life, we're like a, a tree in the fall that won't let go of its leaves. We're just refusing to let the death take place. We're holding on to the self with all its baggage, with all its delusion, we are holding on with all we've got, refusing to die. But unless those leaves fall and unless that death comes, there will not be the life that comes after it. It's how creation is at work and it's how our souls are at work. Unless this takes place, this does not happen. Unless there is a recognition Of who we see ourselves to be that is blurred and not accurate, there will not be an opportunity for the life that God has for us to take place. We have to let it go. We have to die. And that's what the cross represents the hurts, the pride, the hang ups. All the voices you hear in your head that say you can't, all the voices in your head that think you're too good, they have to die. Because unless you let those go, who you really are created in the image of God does not get to show life. Sometimes we have a hard time letting go of those things. They've been so much a part of our story. They've been so much a part of our life. We've gotten so used to that voice that pretty soon it becomes the only voice that we hear. And when Jesus says, if anyone comes after me, they have to deny themselves, pick up their cross daily. He's telling us that isn't a quick One time it's done. This is a long process. It takes time for these things to happen. Lose your life and find it, he says. That's how it works. That's how the world works. That's how our souls work. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 and 20 Paul says and he speaking of Jesus is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the first born from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent preeminent means surpassing chief he is in charge he is that model for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile himself to all things not just men but all creation whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, the peace and cross do not seem to fit together until you have an understanding of what happened in Genesis chapter 3 is ending on the cross at Christ. And it's taking back what belonged to us in chapter one. It's giving you and I back our identity so that we aren't shaped by all the things that we are and have happened to us. We are now shaped by who God is and what he's done for us. I want to show a short video at this time. When I was young, Saturday mornings were the best. I'd get up and I'd watch cartoons in my pajamas till about noon. Eat a bowl of cereal. The parents would be sleeping in. If it was Saturday, they were getting what rest they could. And I just would sit there and watch Bugs Bunny or Tom and Jerry, the cartoons. They were my favorite. Of course, I think they're the best cartoons because that's what we grew up with, you know. None of this Spongebob stuff, you know. These, these are the classics here. And every generation thinks their cartoons are the best. And, and I can remember, think, hardly wait for Saturday morning so I could do that, do nothing, but watch cartoons in my pajamas and eat sugar pops. They were called sugar pops back then. Now they're called corn pops. They're still filled with sugar. They just named them different so they'd be appealing to us, right? And that was the highlight of my week, and I'm glad to say things have changed, okay? The highlight of my week is not to go watch cartoons on Saturday morning in my pajamas and eat sugar. Things have changed. I still like to sleep, but there's a a change that has to take place. As you get older, your desires start to change. You you start to grow up. Things start to, to move forward, and that should take place. And this idea of the cross is doing the same thing, that there has to be this putting away of these former things and looking forward to these other things. I don't desire the things that I used to desire. My desires have changed. I'm no longer satisfied by those things. I I had to grow up. I had to become who I needed to be to have a family, to enjoy a family, to have a relationship, be dependable and provide for my family. All those things started to develop as time pushed on. And, And what we start to discover is that when this old life, that we start to let die, that we put to death takes place, that this new life starts to emerge, that it starts to grow, and we discover our true self now is hidden in this life that's actually the life that Jesus gives. Our true identity is there. And so when we hear Jesus call then, he says, you must let go of, be freed from the constructed self, all those things that have been developed through the years that have shaped who you are. You you have to be willing to say, okay, that has to go and become what's essential, what God created you and I to be. So many times I find that I'm, existing, but I'm not living. In other words, my life is all about satisfying this constructed self. How do I make myself feel better, more comfortable, uh, more appreciated? How do I make myself someone who I feel is important? And, And Jesus is wanting to say, you have to be willing to die to that if you want to be alive to what is truly important. Because up to then, you are living, watching cartoons when you should be out changing the world. And so... To understand this, we have to kind of be transformed by his spirit. God has to get rid of this contrived self so that we can become what I think of as the genuine self, created in his image, who you and I are supposed to be as human beings. It is the way life moves forward. There has to be the death so that there can be the rebirth. And it's not just, oh, I'm not going to do bad things anymore. I'm going to do good things. No, it's a much harsher reality than that. It's taking all the things of who I was and saying, God, what I want is all of who I'm supposed to be. That's what it means to count the cost. Put off the false and discover the new. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 24, that whatever we learned from Christ is to put off the old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Later, he includes what is discarded along with that old self as falsehood, anger, you know, stealing, all these other things that are just associated with living for self. Those have to be put to death. So what's true can emerge within us. Your true self is created in the image of God and is seen in a life that is connected to Jesus. And that's where he is trying to lead us. Because what does it matter if you gain the world, but you lose who you really are? Well, who am I really? Well, it's seen as you are connected to the life of Jesus, the one who ends Genesis chapter 3 and takes you back to Genesis chapter 1. You were created in the image of God, in his likeness. You were created in Christ to do good works which God had created from the beginning of the world that you should walk in them. Foundation of the world, you were made for this. And you will not be satisfied until you're living in this. I, I know there's a lot of controversy about Christopher Columbus. There wasn't when I was growing up, but now they don't know if he's Italian, if he's Spanish. Who's everyone's wanting to take credit, right? And that's always the case when someone does great. If someone does terrible, everyone's willing to give them credit. This guy's a bum, you take him, he's yours. But no, he, he's this guy who's seen as a, a great adventurer. He discovered, you know, America, even though the Indians are here, I know. But what he did was see the horizon and go past it. A lot of us, like to sit on the beach and watch the sunset and wait for our ship to come in which it hasn't, right? It's like I haven't won the lottery haven't got, you know, that guy of my dreams haven't, you know made that job yet or got the success. We're all waiting for our horizon, you know, to just come to us. But then there's the Christopher Columbus. He says, I'm going to go where the world ends and it might fall off or I might, you know, scrape my knee even. You know, I'm going to go past this because what the destiny I desire, long for is beyond what I see. It is more than this and you see jesus is calling us to a life that is beyond the life that we have and have experienced he's calling to a life connected to god that actually is going to produce a life for all the world that was his intention And what's amazing about this passage, that as Jesus starts to tell us that I have to pick up this cross daily, I have to see all these things that have made this false self, this self that is so embedded in me, that is so self-consumed. I used to always tell my kids, you think about yourself more than anybody else is. And that's true of all of us. Right? You feel self-conscious. I walk in a room, I feel everyone's looking at me. You're thinking about yourself way more than everyone else's. Just to let you know, we all are. I feel that right now, right? You're all you're all feeling about yourself more than people are actually thinking about you. Why? Because that's the construct itself. You see, unless you die to this, if you keep holding on to this, you will never be able to grab hold to this. And what this is, is connected to God himself and Jesus. It is living a life that is free from your own constructs or the constructs that have been given you or your own pride or the only limitations that you've been told. And now you wonder how could people like Paul and Peter, even Philip that we talked about on Wednesday night, how can these people have such influence to change the world around him they found the true self in jesus and then they weren't limited you see you are not cephas you are peter and on this rock i will build the church he gave him a new name why because he had to let go of this old self he had to see who he was in god you need to let go of that old self You need to let it die. And you need to see that God has something powerful for you, has something more for you, has something that you were created for, something that you know about. It's part of your image. You've just been letting this lie block the vision of who you are really supposed to be. What does it profit if you gain the whole world but you lose who you are meant to be. Wow. See, these words, they press to the core of who we are. I think that's why they make me just wonder, what do you mean die? What do you mean, what does it profit if I gain the world but lose myself? What are you talking about? And I believe this is a taste of what God is talking about. And I pray that we would find out who we really are. Because if we do, we will be unstoppable. We too will change the world. Let's pray. God, the idea of death is terrifying. The idea of the cross, when you spoke these words, were horrific. They were and you meant them to be because that's how severe this is. And God, each of us like to hold on or maybe we don't even realize hold on to this self-image that is tainted. And if we want the image that you are to give, this one has to go. And Lord, I pray that this morning there would be an awakening to the image that you have called us to and that we would have an understanding, even as you said, what does it profit if we gained all these other things that would increase this false image? We will still never become who we were meant to be. Lord, this morning I pray that we would stand in the image you have for us not settle for anything less I pray that we'd be free from the image that has held us down that has brought so much hurt, so much pain that has stagnated our growth, that has kept us children, that has kept us safe on the beach looking out, but has not allowed us to go past the horizon this morning God today We want that to die so that this new life can grow. And tomorrow, we will have to do this again. And Lord, every time we do, another leaf brings forth out and produces the newness of life that you give. Every time we let go, our grip gets tighter and stronger. Every time we let go, we move out further and further until, Lord, we do not look like we used to. Like Peter, we stand in a newness of life and people marvel that we have been with Jesus. Lord, may this shape us and how we live. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. Now next week is Father's Day and we're going to continue our series, Things That Make You Go, hmm, we're going to talk about women, just to throw that out there. (laughs) I thought that would be fair. Take that with what you want. You can go where you want with that, guys. But it is Father's Day. I hope you will join us. I think it'll be a great time for us again to continue this conversation. And now, may you recognize who you are may you find your passport and may you go past the horizon and become all that god wants you to become and do all that god has for you to do have a great week god bless you guys enjoy each other you have been listening to the genesis podcast we invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings